Hi, welcome to Totem Talks. I'm Helen Fruin. I'm Mark Smith. And today we are talking about life-work harmony or work-life harmony. Not phrases I'm particularly keen on, I must admit. Ooh. Uh, it's just a bit of a... They sound a bit cheesy. It's a bit cheesy. It's a bit like We're talking about work-life balance and people have said it's work-life rhythm. Now we're talking yeah. work-life harmonies. It just sound like we're calling the same thing a different name. Yes, yeah, so I rose by any other name. I mean, it, it, it's an important thing, I think... Um, it's a, it's a difficult thing to manage. Uh, mm. So, you know, we can get into that. Um, but I do know that you've just written an article mm. on work-life harmony mm-hmm. uh, based on some of your research. So hit me. Well, so, yeah, so fair challenge, right? How is that any different to work-life balance? A lot of people ask me, how do I get a better work-life balance? And I've always felt like the question itself is somehow unhelpful. Yeah. That even by calling it balance, it sounds like there's weighing scales. It sounds like we have to choose between this deadline or playing with my kids or seeing my sick mother or getting that report done. Yeah. And those are impossible choices. How... You know, we say, oh, well, I'd obviously I'd prioritize the family. But then then people talk about how when you're at work, you feel guilty about your family. And with your, with your family, you feel guilty about your work. Because those choices seem impossible, because there's such guilt involved, the idea for me that there's a different way of thinking about this, where my whole life is my whole life. Mm. And there are times when I'm doing work-related things. There are times when I'm doing family-related things. There are times when I'm doing self-care-related things. And that is my whole life. And to suggest that we compartmentalize work and life or family and friends, I don't think we work like that. There aren't these separate sections in our brains. And so it's far better to have a rhythm or, or for me, harmony works better where instead of making these difficult choices, we take the whole life into consideration in thinking about how we manage our whole life in harmony. I think I agree with that. I think I I agree with it from a slightly different perspective, though. I think when we talk about work-life balance, we we hear work, we hear life, and we we tend to think that those two things are quite binary. Mm. So I have this discrete thing over here. I have this discrete thing over here. I don't think that's true. I think when you look at an individual's life side of the work-life equation, it's actually a real complicated, dynamic mess of messiness. And when you look at the work side of that equation, again, it's a very complicated thing. And I think what we 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 negate when we're talking about work-life balance is that actually there were many different things on either side of the scales, if you like, that can have quite a dramatic impact on Mm. other areas of the scales of the work-life balance. And I think particularly when I'm working with people in addressing this or any anxieties or any guilt or shame that they may have about the choices that they've made over their lifetimes, it's about them recognizing that the work-life balance is not just a simple thing. It's actually, a, like you said, a whole life perspective. And I think it's also about dealing with the consequences of the choices that you, you're making in that mm. work-life balance. And unfortunately, despite the best efforts of, of our societies, you cannot have everything. And I think this becomes really painful, uh, particularly for women, I would say at the moment, because it's very difficult to maintain the momentum of a career whilst having a child. Physically, you have to take time out in order to have that child. That is a, just a natural disadvantage to you. 
Um, and we haven't really come to terms with A, as a society, how to support women through that process. And B, just acknowledging that that is a thing. Um, again, I think there's also also things like, you know, that having children, they have to be your priority over work. And if you're going to choose work over your children, many people are going to have issues with that. Many children are going to have issues with their parents <laughs> with that. I mean, I'm certainly one of them. Um, so it's the con- managing the consequence of your choices within that sort of dynamic of the work-life balance is also one of the important things for me in this process. Mm. And so that's where taking this time to consider what are my life priorities, my whole life priorities. Mm. And of course, one of those questions needs to be, am I doing work that I find fulfilling? Mm. Because, you know, that whole find a job that you love and you'll never work a day in your whole life. I think that's maybe pushing it a bit too far because I do a job that I love. There are still aspects of that job that I don't enjoy so much. So that feels like hard work. And there are aspects of that job that make me just thrive because I'm so happy with what I'm doing and when we look at our whole life list of priorities am I doing work at least some of the time or at least some of my day where I can say you know I have a sense of purpose in this I have a sense of fulfillment a sense of achievement because if I'm not getting that perhaps I need to change my work Mm. and so then it becomes much easier instead of saying, oh, I I do this job that I hate. So how do I balance that with my personal life? If I'm doing at least some of my work that I get a sense of fulfillment from, and then I take that in the whole life priorities against everything else, my hobbies, my health, my fitness, my family, my friendships, my holidays, my self-care. Let's look at all of that together And if we're taking time to consider that, then I can plan out how I want my day, my weeks, my months to work in harmony, in balance, whatever word you want to use. Mm. That's the difference. I think I think I've got two points to make to that. There are there's rumblings about the the meritocracy that we live in. So this idea that if you work hard, you will be rewarded with what you want. That's actually turning out not to be true. So go to university get a massive amount of debt and a degree, which in my case, frankly, was worthless. Um, I think that is starting to come into play a lot now with this idea that you can graft and graft and graft and eventually you will become whatever it is you want to be. It's just not true for for 99.9% of us. It's definitely true for the people who are spouting the meritocracy because, oh look, they have achieved everything that you know we think we want. And I think there's a real challenge in terms of the way we're living our lives, how we're prioritizing our own development and what we just find enjoyable. The second one to that is back to my consequence point. So, for example, for me, uh, I was um, an engineer by trade. And about 10 years ago, I decided that I was unhappy with my life and I needed to make choices. I chose to quit my job. I chose to walk away from something that I'd been educated in that I have still quite a lot of student debt for. Uh, and in, in, in many ways, I kind of alienated quite a number of my friends at the same time because I, all of a sudden I've gone from working with spanners to saying <laughs> I want to be a psychologist. I mean, and that actually meant ostracizing some of my friends. Over time, that actually meant not defriending them because I'm not a Facebooker, but it, it meant cutting them out basically um, because that friendship was really just built around the engineering side of things and that's actually quite a painful thing to go through 
And I think when I'm encouraging people to begin assessing uh, the, the dynamic that is their life, don't overestimate the consequences. Don't underestimate the pain. And I think if you're willing to just make one or two distinct choices about what's important to you, you can move on and seek a better work-life balance. And eventually I'll come up with a phrase that I like for that. Whilst you're trying to come up with a phrase that you like, it's perhaps useful to be aware that companies or at least uh, universities who have studied this effect of focusing on work-life balance, trying to make these choices between work or life versus taking this more harmony or rhythm approach, Mm. they see a difference. And the difference that they notice is in cognitive dissonance. So cognitive dissonance... Nice word. Don't know what that means. Okay. (laughs) Cognitive dissonance is where... uh, Think of it as an incongruity between the way I'm thinking and what I'm doing. So if I tell you that I'm really happy, but I look really sad, uh, that would be an example of Mm. incongruence or or cognitive dissonance. What I believe should be important, I'm not really living that out. And so I feel like I'm going against my values. I feel like I'm not in a good place. It makes us feel very unsettled to Mm -hmm. have that cognitive dissonance. And so when people are pushing an argument of work-life balance and pushing training that encourages people to make these choices you see a higher level of cognitive dissonance which is related to a higher level of stress and a higher level of stress is related to a lower level of focus take that a few degrees Mm. you get lower level of productivity lower level of, of results whereas if you're looking at harmony rhythm taking that whole life perspective and working out what's important to you and then living a life that works to that we see less cognitive dissonance people feel more in control of that whole life story i mean that just sounds like the the values based that's what it is right right Um, because that's what you're doing when you sit down and think right so for me there's going to be you know top five six things that are important to me my health my family mm -hmm. my self-care you can tie that in with my health uh my sales my customer service my learning there's six things in my life that are yeah. really important to me. Uh, for you, I'm sure motorbikes will be one of the ones on the list. <laughs> yeah, something with uh, an engine that goes <laughs> do, 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 yeah. Um, um, but is that not, talking... yeah, but the, so I think we've talked about this before. That's where, I mean, for as a practical tip for this, uh, the vision board stuff. Right. Is really, Very has, powerful. It's been really powerful for me. Yeah. So, you know, really dis, just going through magazines or online and just picking out images that resonate with me. And I, I say an image, not necessarily a word, mm. because as we all know, an image is worth a, a thousand words. Um, and I think it, it gives you that, uh, it's an emotive feeling in mm. terms of this is my value. You can't always use your logic centers to just pin down what it is, because life isn't isn't, isn't a learned experience. It, it's, you know, it's, it's a visceral thing. So mm. the images have been really powerful. I've got maybe 20 or so on my vision board that reflect who I would want to be, what I find really important in life, where I get my energy from. And whenever I'm feeling fairly low, which isn't that often, um, I just have to remind myself about this is this is the path that I've chosen and, and go to my vision board and remind myself this is why. This is this aspect of the vision I have for my life. These are the values that I find really important. 
And when anybody starts to muscle in mm-hmm. on that vision board and introduces something that I don't want to be there, it's actually become a really simple no thank you for yeah. me now. Whereas before, I would just overload myself. I would, I would take on responsibility in other organizations. Mm. I would volunteer for this or that. I would allow people to come into my, my social circle who needed more energy than I had to give to them. And that was contributing to, a, to, a, to, like you say, a sense of anxiety that I couldn't meet everybody's needs. And to really strip it back and say, these things are important to me. Mm. And this is where my attention is. It does, self, it does sound, in theory, a little selfish. But I'm now, I'm certain, certainly getting to the opinion that in order to serve others, you need to have um, the ability to serve them. Right. So we've just done self-care September, right? Yeah, self-care exactly, is not yeah. selfish. Yeah. I can't serve anybody if I don't yeah, serve myself. I think that the maxim from the from airplanes is really relevant here. You need to put your own face mask on first before you can run around the plane and help everybody else. Um, and I think too many of us operate without our own face mask on. And we expect to be able to deliver um, a good service to everybody else. It's just, you're going to kill yourself. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so when you talk about values and vision board, you know, that's where, how do you translate that into your day to day? So there's a, a link to a book that we'll put below uh, Peter Bregman's 18 minutes, where he talks about getting those five, six priorities, your values, your vision board, getting that summarized into five or six boxes. There's usually another box for the other 5%, you yeah. know, just that other stuff that you need to do, but it should be 5%, not 90%. Uh, and making sure that in the course of a year, a month, mm. a week, are you doing things in line with those boxes? Because if I've got six boxes and one of them is constantly being neglected, yeah. you've got a question, one, should that come off my vision board? Or is it that I'm just not getting that harmony, getting that rhythm to prioritize that area? And what do I want to change about my action? Mm. So that what's really powerful for that for me is the translation from vision board to my to-do. What if my to-do list was sectioned in those boxes? Yeah, it was values-based as opposed to task-based. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's the opportunity. Interesting. So I guess it doesn't really matter what we call it, balance, harmony, whatever. I guess as long as you are focused on what's important to you, your values um, and the actions that stand behind those values as opposed to actions that stand elsewhere, um, those are the best things you can do. And of course, the difficulty will be that because all of our values are different and our priorities are different, if I'm managing someone in my team and I'm thinking, oh, well, I've got my six boxes, their six boxes could be really quite different. And so giving people the space to have this reflection, work out what's important to them. And my goodness, imagine it if we could all talk about that, what a difference that can make. Yeah. So thanks everyone for joining us today. Uh, links below to the things that we've mentioned and also uh, indeed the article that I've written to share a few more sort of practical tips on this. So enjoy and have a great day. Bye everyone.